Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Hey, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, actually. Um, so, hey, we are going to just jump right in. Um, Last night, as I was talking with my wife, Jordan, the Lord began to redirect how I begin this thing today, Um, and we're going to have fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to have some help in just a little bit. We'll do a fun illustration, but what he wanted me to start with this morning was um, sharing something maybe we're all too familiar with, and we know, we've heard that God is a father, right? Right? But he said, Jacob, I want you to emphasize this again. There's somebody who needs to hear it this morning, that he is your father in heaven who sees you, has always seen you, and loves you deeply, and would not leave you as an orphan. But he came and sent Jesus to take our place, to reconcile us back to him, that we could have relationship with God. And if you feel that he's been distant your whole life or in these recent years, I just, here's him reaching out to you this morning saying, I'm right here, honey. Would you turn around and look at me? I just felt that heavy in my heart as we begin. And he just, I want to do restoration and you need to talk about it for just a minute because I want to do healing. I want to do healing in relationship. And, and maybe part of this comes from last week, my son turned five on Wednesday, which has been just super fun. But five feels so much bigger than four, you know. He's such a big boy. Uh, I got home early Wednesday morning from exercising, and he busted open the door. And he wasn't saying any words to me, but he woke up. It was like 7.15, and we had gifts on the table, streamers in the living room. And he was, here, I'll go up high so everyone can see. He's like hanging his head out the door, and he's like <laughs> wagging his little butt and moving his face. He was just like, like, hurry up, can you get in here? You got me presents. I want to hang out and, and open the gifts you gave me. And so we just had a week. Yesterday was his party. And also, shout out to Matt Lowry. It was his birthday yesterday, too. <laughs> Congrats, happy birthday. I love you so much. I do. Matt changed my life, guys. Um, <laughs> but yesterday was his birthday, and as we were able to give gifts to our son, um, it was just such a blessing. It was so fun for Jordan and I, and it was like almost like too much fun, you know, where we were, I actually wondered, like, God, are we being a little bit careless? Are we too lavishly loving on these kids, on this boy, and giving him another gift? He already has so much, but it delighted our heart to still give, you know? If you're a parent, you know what I'm saying. And it was just fun to see him come alive and get excited about that kind of thing. And last weekend, I was at this um, men's retreat, which was so awesome. God did so much in my heart. Um, But one of the guys who spoke, his name is Jesse, and he said, he talked about the father-son relationship and how there is so much kingdom dynamics in that relationship alone. And I'm not going to teach Jesse's word, but I will share this one thing that he mentioned. Again, guys, he's your heavenly father who loves you. 
he's good and he's paying attention. Jesse said this thing, the father, a father takes his favor and he creates a space for his son to flourish. That's what a good father does. He takes his favor and he creates a space for his son to, to not get by. I was talking with one of the guys, he's like, I don't just feed my kids. I love to give them things. I love to take them places. I love, that is the kind of father that God actually is. He wants you to flourish in him. Now, flourishing in your mind probably looks different than flourishing in God's mind. I'll be honest, let's just be clear about that. But if God really is trustworthy, then he can probably write a better life story for you than you can, right? And so he just wanted me to emphasize he's a good father and he loves you. And if you don't feel like his favor's been for you, then I'm inviting you to look, turn around and look at him. If you don't feel like he's ever helped you, then I'm inviting you to have a moment. Don't come and ask a pastor, where has God been when all this and that happened? Turn around and ask the Lord yourself because you are the one who turned your back on him. It was not him on you. And that invitation is open. The Bible clearly promises that when you seek the Lord with your whole heart, you'll what? Come on, don't be shy. You'll what? Find him. You'll find him. So whether you feel the need to seek the Lord with your whole heart and yell at him, <laughs> I'm sure he will be found by you. If you feel the need to seek the Lord because you have a plea in your heart, you just don't understand the hand that life has dealt you. When you seek him with your whole heart, he will be found by you. I brought up Job before, but Job, righteous man in all the earth, and he experiences the most unfair treatment outside of Jesus, I think, that I see in the Bible. And God never apologizes to Job for any of it. And Job, throughout the book, is demanding audience with God. Did you know that? He's demanding audience with God. And what happens at the end? The Lord comes and speaks with Job. And Job says, you know what? I had heard about you. I thought I knew who you were. But now I really know who you are. And it does this thing where it enriches his relationship with who God is. The test and the trial enriched his relationship with who God is. That it was profound and it marked Job's life. And so maybe he's inviting you into testing right now. And good fathers do that. I want to shift to this story of Abraham and Isaac because that's just where I've been for the last three weeks. Um, the title of this message, if you do titles, is, is Wait, What? Okay, and I'm just going to tell you, I have these moments when I read in my Bible. Genesis 22 is a big, wait, what moment? This is the moment where Abraham has received Isaac, the promised son. Abraham's 100 years old when Isaac is born, okay? That's just crazy. Wait, what? That's your first one, right? And God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and, and nations will come from you. Look at the stars that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Now, Abraham, if you just do some history on Abraham, he's a guy who believed God and was obedient and walked with God and knew God to be faithful and knew God to be a promise keeper. Okay, so then God says, you're gonna have all, you're, you're gonna have all these descendants, this line numerous. Isaac shows up, and what does God ask Abraham to do? I want you to sacrifice your son. <laughs> 
And you got to be thinking, like, if you're like me, it's like, okay, Abraham knows who God is. The writer of Hebrews gives Abraham a lot of credit. He was a righteous man because he believed God, because he had faith, and that was his righteousness. Abraham knows who God is, but what about the things that Abraham maybe doesn't know in this moment? Like, how is Isaac going to feel about this whole situation, right? We're going to go up on this mountain, and Isaac even says, where's the, where's the sacrifice, Father? And Abraham's response is just so intimate, loving. Here I am, my son. That God will provide the sacrifice. Maybe Abraham could have been wrestling. I'm sure he was. God, this is unfair. Why would you ask me to do this? Is he not the promised one? Is he not the miracle child that you promised? How are you going to make my... I'm, I'm an old guy. How are you going to make this happen? Have I not been obedient when you said get up and go? Did I not get up and go? Did I not go and rescue Lot? Did I not blah, 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 blah? I mean, he could have done all these did I nots back unto the Lord, but you don't see him do that. And so I just, I'm wondering as I'm sitting in Genesis 22, like I've been here for three weeks going this is such a weird story that is much easier to read and then move on rather than to sit with and wrestle with and be like, God, why would you ask him to do such a thing? If you're not a God who has ever required this before, this seems really weird. This seems kind of out of character for you, but then you're a God who doesn't change. So what's happening? What's really going on? It's a test of Abraham's loyalty, but look, in this test... God doesn't love Abraham or Isaac any less. He's not mad at Abraham and is like, I'm going to withhold my love from you, you know what, because, because you love your son more than me, and so I'm, just, I'm not going to love you, and so you, you take care of him, and I'll know. And no, it's like, I love you so much, Abraham, that I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to test you. And what if we were Christians who welcomed God's testing? What if we did? Oh my gosh, it would change. It, everything would, be get, would get so much more radically real. Like this faith thing, it's not a peachy thing that Jesus is inviting us into, but it is life to the fullest. God doesn't love Abraham or Isaac any less in this moment of testing. And I just... That's what he wants you to hear. Whoever you are in this room, maybe several of you, like, God, you've been really testing me for years. God, you've been testing me. I've never had it good. He loves you. And he must think awfully highly of you to give you such a hard test. So I just wanted to start with that and share that with you. And Yeah, I just pray, actually. Father, thank you so much that we can call you Father because of what Jesus did, making the way for us to come in, be in relationship with you, be in family with you. God, I ask that you would fall fresh on that heart that needs to be reminded of your fatherly love, your fatherly affection, the abundance of your gifting. Bring refreshment in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody say these words. Wait, what? Okay, I told you when I read my Bible, I have all these moments, and I want to encourage your heart with something. I think it's okay if you do too. 
Here's the thing. Here's what I do know. We have a lot of people, we know a lot of people, maybe we're one of these people where it's just easier not to read this thing and let the pastor tell us what it says because, frankly, when we try, we get overwhelmed. It's kind of hard to follow. I'm a little bit confused. You know what? We'll let the pastor freshen that up for me this weekend and we'll be good. That's a lot of the attitude in a lot of Christian believers today. And what I want to do today is I want to kind of confront that and just speak against that and be like, and you want to be a Christian and you want to follow Jesus and yet you ignore the direction of God? Wait, what? You know, that's kind of my heart this morning. And I want you to know, I'm just as guilty. I, I feel this burning in my heart. I, we, have to, we have to quit neglecting this beautiful gift that we have been given. Jeremiah Wood, when he preached last week, he said that really nicely to us. He said, it's our responsibility to know the word of God. If you want to be an ambassador, if you want to have the message of hope dwelling in you to share and just overflow, then it's got to be in you. And so I read... I read my Bible and I have all these wait what moments and I was, as I was thinking about this word and preparing, I imagined Jesus' disciples and all the wait what moments they, they had with him, the amazing ones like Jesus turning water into wine. You know, the wine is gone, the party's like, oh no, it's gonna be over. Boom, there's new wine and it's better than you've ever had before. Wait, what? Where did that come from, right? How did you do that? Or what about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead? He's dead, Jesus. He's been dead for days. Lazarus, come out. <laughs> Wait, what? Right? Or touching and healing the leper. Or spitting on the ground, putting mud on somebody's eyes to help them see. What? We did, when I was in youth, there's this big old pond thing over here. It filled with water, and we played, um, like, mud volleyball in there one night, and it was, like, nasty, muddy water. The infection was getting in kids' eyes, and, like, I think one or two were hospitalized from it because it was actually so bad. But then I think about Jesus spitting on the ground, making mud, and putting it on somebody's eyes, and they're healed. What? Amazing. Or, or speaking healing, the centurion's servant, he wasn't even with the guy. Go, it should be done as you said. Or the wind and the waves dying down when they're all on the boat. And, and actually before that, Jesus walking on the storm, on the water. He's walking on the water. Wait, what? Right? Are we too familiar with these stories? I don't know when last time you like went to the pool and were like, I'm going to do this. We're going to walk on the water. It's impossible. Jesus does these things that are like... Well, how do you do what? And then he invites Peter, get out of here with me. And then he speaks to the wind and the waves, and it all goes still. And in that moment, it says the disciples stopped and they worshiped him. Who are you? What? And then I think of these stranger wait what moments that the disciples encountered. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says, to find your life, you got to lose it. Hmm. Or Mark 10, 43, whoever desires to become great should become a servant. I don't know how that adds up, Jesus. Or Luke 14, 33, 
Whoever doesn't forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And then a recent favorite of mine in John, John chapter 6, after Jesus has fed the thousands with five loaves and two fish. First of all, wait, what? Right? Thousands he's fed. The following day, they follow him to the other side of the lake. And, and Jesus says, this is the paraphrase, Jacob version. You should go read it, John 6. You came to find me because you had your fill. You ate and you had your fill. But I'm going to encourage you right now, don't seek out and don't look for food that spoils. Don't look for food that spoils. Why did you come? Why did you come looking for me? So I could give you more food or to feast on what I have for you? Because then Jesus goes on as he's talking to the crowd and he says, I'm the bread of heaven. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And he says in, in John 6, 53, and this isn't the only time he says these strange words. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Mm. What? <laughs> unless you do, you have no life in you. And you know what it says? On hearing it, many of his disciples, I'm, I'm picking up in verse 60 of chapter 6. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus says, does this offend you? Just right, right here in this moment, in this kind of crux moment, it says many disciples deserted Jesus. Many left. This is like a win, a ministry moment. You've got the thousands in front of you. They came to see you and hear you and experience all the awesomeness of you. And then Jesus says this thing that's a little strange, and most everyone leaves. He turns to his 12, and he says, do you want to leave too? And I'm sure the disciples are probably like, oh, Jesus, what? You know, we had them like... Peter says, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. God is inviting us into these wait, what moments all the time. And I'm, not, and I'm not up here to try to produce any kind of hesitancy in your faith. That's not my heart. But what I want to do is speak to, in these wait, what moments, what does it invite us to do? It invites us to sit with the Holy Spirit and not rush. And so often we do that, don't we? I got my Devo done, 20 minutes, got to get to work. I got my whatever done. I gave God this five minutes. And we rush past the things that God has for us. Maybe when he's inviting us to wrestle with some things, to surrender some things do you know what repentance is? It's not just changing your actions. It's changing the way you think about things. And these wait what moments, there's all kinds of opportunity for repentance to take place. Jesus, I'll just give you one more, one more of these moments. And then we'll do this illustration. It'll be really fun. Jesus he explains himself in verse 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, those words of eat my flesh, drink my blood, they're of the spirit. Oh. 
Guess what? The thousands didn't hear this. The 12 did because they stayed. They're full of the spirit and life. Let's jump into Romans 8. Verses 5 through 7. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh, whatever the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. But the mind governed by the spirit is what? Life and peace. peace. Doesn't that sound so much better? So what's this saying? The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Whoa. You come into your Bible reading time, and you're like this smart, know-it-all, intellect, whatever, and you're like, Jesus, I know all this before, but you don't invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth about what it says, then you're just getting a bunch of knowledge that puffs you up, and then when life hits hard, it pops you. But love builds up, and God gave us his Holy Spirit so that we could be in constant relationship with the Father. So we could know at all times. How can you know what's in someone's mind unless you can tell what the spirit of that person is? He gave us his spirit. We got to have a spiritual understanding. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, show me. Because this does not make sense in the natural. This does not make any physical sense, Jesus. There's this moment in John chapter 3 when Jesus speaks with a teacher, one of Israel's teachers, Nicodemus. And he tells Nicodemus, to enter the kingdom of God, you must be what? Born again. Now, Nicodemus, a teacher of teachers, Jesus will even say, you're Israel's teacher. And you don't understand these things? Nicodemus is like, how can I be born again? And Jesus says, You can be born again. No one's born again unless of water and the spirit. Oh, these words Jesus spoke earlier, they're full of life and the spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help us out. Okay. Ask for a spiritual understanding. I want to do a fun illustration to kind of walk us through this thing. Um, I have with me, I told you my son's birthday was Wednesday. He turned five, and we got a bunch of Legos in my house. Um, so I would love, David, can I get your help? David's an architect, and so that means he knows how to design things and build things. Will you build this for me while I'm finishing? Have you ever, ever built Legos before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, he's a seasoned Lego veteran. Very good. Any of us in this room just really love Legos? I love Legos. It's been super fun playing all these Legos with my son lately. So I'm going to have him build that. Hang on. Let's see what that picture was real quick. It was a, uh, you can dump that. I'll let you get started while I'm here. Okay. It's a nice little race car here. David's going to build this race car. Remember, David's an architect, pretty smart dude, knows how to design stuff. Um, So go ahead. Just... Build away. When I was in middle school, I tried to collect as many Star Wars Legos as I possibly could. Yeah, is there an issue? Just look at the instructions. Oh, are the instructions? But I don't see any instructions. Oh, oh man, you're kind of ruining my illustration here. Here's the thing. <laughs> I hid the instructions, okay? <laughs> but. This was right here. I'll give you the instructions, right? Boom, boom, boom. 
This is what we so often do as Christians. Here's our instruction, okay? Here are the words of life for us to feast on and get filled up with every single day. But we're trying to build this race car without any instruction. We're like, okay, I think I had the picture in my mind of what it looked like. I'm pretty sure this part goes here. I think I'm supposed to do things that way. But in order to build the race car to its right design, the way it was intended to be built, he needs some instruction. It is the same thing with you and I. So David's going to get started. I'm going to do something here, and nobody freak out, okay? Tech team, can I get your help for a second? Now that's a little awkward. Can we kick those lights back on? Here's what I want you to see. The Holy Spirit is the light that illuminates God's instruction. Okay? It got really tough all of a sudden to see what I've got the instructions in front of me. I can, like, get in there and try to do this thing. But the Holy Spirit, the light, illuminates this. And until we read our book, our Bibles, with this kind of understanding, this kind of anticipation, actually, a holy anticipation, man, what are we doing? Jesus called the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And he said that when he'd come, he would lead us into all truth. So when you read your Bible, look, no more. I'm eliminating your excuses right now of being like, I can't, I just don't understand. I'm not a good reader. Uh, the Bible does contradict itself. The Bible is all, I, it doesn't make sense. No, 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 no. Hey, no. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and sit with it. And when you're having these wait what moments, maybe surrender what you think you already know. And say, God, would you show me the truth? Holy Spirit, reveal the truth. I have one more wait what for you. God is inviting you and me into his redemptive plan in the earth today. Broken people. Who will still mess up as long as we walk on the earth. And he said, I want to partner with you. I want to show you how much I love you. I will give myself to you. Wait, what? <laughs> right? God is inviting us to share what he's done in our life with our coworkers, with our spouse, with our family members. Family reunions, Thanksgiving is coming up. He's inviting us to open our mouth to share the good news. He's inviting us to pray for somebody. He's inviting us to intercede in the night. You might lose some sleep over this. Following Jesus. To go and stand in the gap and pray for someone. Here's a wild one. He's inviting us into fasting Fasting is not fun. <laughs> but what happens when we fast? When we abstain from the things that we clutter our hearts with? Look, and like food is good. Our bodies need food. If we're going to survive, we better eat, right? But when we fast, we're saying, I want you. I, you sustain me more than this food. You're the one who breathed life into my lungs. So that's what I want to go after. I want you. 
get rid of all the clutter in my heart so that I can just have you, so that I can just know you, so that you can guide me into the way of truth, the way everlasting, as the psalmist will say. Show me where I've delighted in everything else more than this. God is inviting us, wait, what? To extend blessing instead of cursing. And finally, God is inviting us to live a life that is no longer our own. You and I, we're not in charge anymore when we say yes to Jesus. I know we know that, but it's like, man, living that, walking that out every day, it's like, just personally, I've been like, God, I just want some me time at the end of the day. And he's like, son, you're not your own anymore. But I love you. Let's have some us time. (laughs) I just am humbled by God's invitation. And I'm inspired to read and to really take in his word, to be like a sponge. I'm praying that he shifts our hearts from intimidation to his word to intrigue. That we would stop closing it when it doesn't make sense. We would stop getting online to look for resources, which is not all bad, but we would sit with the Lord and say, teach me. Teach me where I got this wrong. I want to know you. If you're really able to be known, then I want to know you right now. God is looking for those who will seek him in such a way, and he will be found. I want to pray Romans 8, this this 5 through 7 over us, just one more time as we close, that we would begin to have and walk in a spiritual understanding of what God's inviting us into. That when we read our Bible, the lights wouldn't go off, but they would kick on and we could be built rightly according to our design. So if you have your Bible and you wanna just do this with me, you can just put it on your heart, put it on your mind. I'm just gonna pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you... You've invited us into something so wild and so special and something so much bigger than what we ever could do for ourselves, God. We want to delight. We just confess we have not delighted in your word like it's worthy of. Would you shift that? God, we want to lay our life down. This true and proper worship, Jesus, that we could offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, that we could get a renewed mind. Give us a spiritual understanding at your words. Even when we don't understand, to stay, to sit with you, to hang on. Because you're trustworthy, God. I thank you for all the places, all the times you've shown us that you're trustworthy. Would you remind us again, those in this room right now who have forgotten your faithfulness, would you remind us again? God, thank you that we can live in this every day. God, we don't want to live with minds governed by the flesh, hostile to you. We don't want to live like know-it-alls. We want to live in submission to your spirit, God. I pray that you would bless Reliance Church to be ones who live in such a way. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen.
Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. Until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.